This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own Self Work. Hello, and thanks for being here at Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I started this podcast last year because I really wanted to extend the walls of my practice to anyone that might be interested in psychological, emotional issues. Those of you who have been in therapy and are very comfortable with the idea of seeking help or seeking therapy, but also to those of you who might be curious about what a mental health professional might have to say, but have never darkened the door of a therapist. So hopefully self-work will give you some ideas of what therapy might feel like. It's not therapy, but it could get you started in the right direction. Today we're going to be talking about borderline personality disorder and of the exhaustion and guilt that can come from someone who's trying to love someone with borderline never being enough. Now, borderline personality disorder could be a podcast episode. In fact, it could be several podcast episodes all by itself. And I will go over the criteria for borderline personality disorder. But this episode is more for people who may feel very guilty because they're coming up short all the time, or at least they get told by someone with borderline that they're not enough. What a personality disorder is, basically, is it is a dysfunctional way of relating to other people. There are several of them, borderline being just one, but we'll go over the traits of borderline in a few minutes. Then I'm going to suggest nine ways of letting go of that guilt. As I sit here and talk about this, I realize that these are probably good steps for anyone who's trying to love someone that's just difficult to love. So maybe this will pertain to you as well. Our listener email today is from someone whose whole life has been focused on others, and she doesn't know how to set goals for herself. So today we're talking about trying to love someone with really significant emotional and psychological problems, especially when you're told that you're not enough. Picture this. Your phone rings and her name appears on your screen. You dread clicking over. And then comes the guilt. When you see her name, your history with her rushes into your mind as you wait for one more ring. All the times you've come to her side, comforted her, told her you'd be there for her. Somehow knowing your caring would never be enough to shore up her own fragile self-worth. Or how you've watched as she's made one impulsive choice after another, blaming others, including you, for the chaos of her life. You've had to set boundaries that she constantly pushes against as she questions whether you care or not when she senses your fatigue. You've heard veiled comments over and over that she doesn't know how long she could continue like this or that somehow you're disappointing her once again. You've been over backwards to love her and there are sudden unexplainable times when you felt that love reciprocated in an intense and almost intoxicating way. But then it disappears in a cloud of sudden anger, or even rage, or irrational disappointment. 
Other people don't know what's behind the scenes. They don't know how draining this relationship can be. They don't know that whoever she is, she has borderline personality disorder. No matter what her role is in your life, you can become exhausted and your own guilt can feel unrelenting. So what does that guilt sound like inside your head? She's your mother. She raised you the best way she could, and she's getting older and not as able to care for herself. She's your daughter, and you'll never forget the day you saw her for the first time. You tell yourself, she deserves the same kind of relationship I have with my other kids. But you know in your gut that she's different than your other children, and you're torn. She could be your wife. And even though you wonder now how she seemed like the perfect choice, you did vow to be there for her. And after all, she's your kid's mom. And you still love her. Or, if she's your ex, you may fear what would happen to those very kids if she felt more abandoned by you than the divorce may have made her feel. You fear the repercussions of the slightest detachment on your part. Or... She could be your best friend who was there for you in the eighth grade when no one else would talk with you. She was there always. How could you possibly shudder at the thought of simply talking with her? There's guilt and more guilt and more guilt. In I Hate You, Don't Leave Me, the classic book on borderline personality disorder, the authors state, the borderline shifts her personality like a rotating kaleidoscope rearranging the fragmented glass of her being into different formations. Like a chameleon, she transforms herself into any shape that she imagines will please the viewer. Her emotions govern all her actions. She's terrified of abandonment and highly sensitive to not feeling understood. So let's stop here and talk a little about what borderline personality disorder is. It's defined, I'm reading from the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Manual, a pervasive pattern of instability of interpersonal relationships, self-image, and emotions, and marked impulsivity beginning in early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts or a variety of relationships, not just with one person. The first one is frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation and identity disturbance. And what that means is that literally you don't know from one day or from one hour to the next who you're going to be, what your traits are that are consistent. A borderline has a very inconsistent sense of themselves. There's impulsivity in at least two areas that are self-damaging, like spending, sex, substance abuse, reckless driving. There can be recurrent suicidal behavior or gestures or threats or self-mutilating behavior. This is not always true. Again, you only have to have five of these to be diagnosed with borderline. Emotional instability due to a marked reactivity of mood, meaning you're always reacting, reacting, reacting. There's a chronic feeling of emptiness. I've had patients tell me that they just feel like there's a big hole in their soul that cannot be filled up. 
There can be inappropriate, intense anger or difficulty controlling anger. And last, there can be some paranoia or some dissociative symptoms, meaning that the mind sort of separates from itself and there's a sense of unreality or detachment from reality. You'll notice in this episode that I use the pronoun she when speaking about borderline, and that's because the great majority of borderlines are female. However, there are certainly male borderlines as well. So obviously, borderline is a very serious, serious personality disorder to have. In fact, as a therapist, I suspect I have someone with borderline traits in front of me when after only one or two sessions, they say something like, I've never felt this understood by anyone before. There is that idealization. And often as they enter relationships, you are the best thing since sliced bread. Or if they're your child, you have these moments of being the best mom or the best dad. What my patient is doing is putting me on a pedestal in order to bond with me while she's also somewhat unconsciously figuring out my own vulnerabilities. In fact, it can be uncanny how well someone with borderline traits can assess your own personal struggles and use those very issues to manipulate you. For example, if you're someone who takes responsibility for your actions very seriously, someone with borderline may subtly or not so subtly insinuate you're falling down on the job or question whether you know what you're doing. I had someone with borderline as a patient many years ago, and she used to say to me, call me back if you want to. That would be her message. Obviously, if I didn't call her back, she could interpret that I didn't want to call her back, or if I did call her back, that she was so special to me because I did, that I really wanted to call her back. So I had to address that with her. Now, I do want to say this, and I say this very sincerely. Living with an emotional hurricane inside of you like borderlines do is no party. Having borderline personality disorder is more than tough. Unrecognized and untreated, it can lead to a miserable existence as one by one you wear out the people who are trying to love or help you. Plus just dealing with what's going on internally and trying to learn to not allow your emotions to govern your every choice and every reaction. It's very hard to do. Often there is abuse or trauma in their history. In fact, horrific trauma sometimes. But there are therapeutic techniques that have been researched and shown to work well, DBT or dialectical behavior therapy being chief among them. So if you experience a life full of dramatic and intense emotions that seem almost impossible to control, and lead to habitually impulsive and self-destructive actions, you may have borderline personality disorder, and you can seek help. If you're the child of someone with borderline traits or the entire spectrum, then your ability to trust or to share emotional intimacy with someone is likely challenged in some way. You may have absorbed some of your parents' habits, which is hard to admit and even harder to alter. But it certainly can be done with education, practice and support. If you're married to someone with borderline traits, books like Stop Walking on Eggshells and the one I mentioned before, I Hate You, Don't Leave Me, provide strategies for you. They offer the idea that you want to have empathy, not sympathy, for the person you love and support where you can give it, but that you also hand them back the responsibility for change, for fixing their lives. You have to set very strict 
boundaries, where you'll go with them, what topics you will and won't discuss to avoid potential escalation, what verbiage they use that you will respond to automatically. For example, if they say they're suicidal, you'll call their therapist or you'll call the police. And where you can travel with them emotionally and where you can't. As I said before, there's several types of borderline, and I'll have a link in the show notes where if you want to see more of that, you can. Not every borderline consistently threatens suicide or is highly dramatic. Some are quieter and more withdrawn, but they all have very difficult personalities. But what do you do about your guilt? What if you need to set limits that may seem harsh to others? What if you decrease your own availability and something terrible happens? Would that be your fault? You know, I've seen the pain in a parent's eyes when they have to say to their now adult child that they cannot come home for the holidays. Or when they change the locks in their homes. I've heard when an adult child has to arrange for caregiving when they can no longer tolerate the criticism and venom that still leaks from their mother's mouth. I've counseled men through the stages of divorcing someone with borderline and seeing the abject fear in their eyes as they have no idea what what might be coming next, both for them and perhaps for their children, as her rage can increase and engulf her. But you can only be responsible for that which you can control. If you love someone with borderline personality disorder, you've tried multiple times to get your loved one help. And then she stops taking her meds, or she gets involved with another bad relationship, or she won't return your text after she threatens suicide one more time. So here are nine things that hopefully you can do to avoid a paralyzing sense of guilt. They're simple for me to say. They're much more difficult to do. First, you have to face the fear of your own helplessness. You can predict the most feared outcome and decide how you would handle it, but you really cannot love someone enough where they don't struggle with borderline issues. That's really their journey. The second thing is you can assess whether or not her capability of physically hurting you is rational. Sometimes it is, and if it is, you need to seek advice from a lawyer or the police. Third is objectively See the damage caused to other family members by your continued involvement. Sometimes the straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak, is that someone else in the family, another child, is getting hurt. And so you can distance more rationally or you can distance without so much guilt because of that. A fourth thing is to give her back the responsibility for her own life. And no, she'll never give you permission to change the relationship in a way where you're not always there for her. So you have to do it without her permission. For example, when I have someone with borderline personality call me in an emergency, I treat it certainly like the emergency that she feels. However, it's typically something that has happened repetitively. So I'll really talk with her about what she has done in the past to solve the problem. I don't try to solve the problem for her. As we said before, you provide empathy, but not sympathy. This involves setting up strict boundaries for communication and then be available when they follow those guidelines. Remember, you love her and she is miserable. She does have moments when all she feels is that emptiness inside of her. 
So if she follows the rules, then good, then be available to her. I think also you have to grieve the relationship that could have been. This is an important step. If she's your daughter, if she's your parent, you've had ideas of what that relationship would be like, and it's not that way. Borderline traits are something that people are going to be dealing with all their lives, and you can get better, but you have to work on it very hard. You have to realize that someone with borderline may never have the capacity of understanding fully the impact she's having on you or your family. I've certainly heard stories where parents, especially mothers with borderline, have come to their children and said, I now know what it was like living with me, and I'm so sorry. But that doesn't happen a lot. It can happen if someone with borderline gets treated and recognizes and does really hard work on herself. However, sadly, often that does not happen, especially with some of the more dramatic and intense forms of borderline personality disorder. The eighth thing is to get support from someone who understands or has walked the same walk. The books that I mentioned before can really help there as well. And perhaps the most important thing to do is to have compassion for yourself. It's hard having borderline personality disorder, but it's also very hard trying to love someone with BPD. Our listener email today is from someone who's trying to learn how to set goals for herself. She says, first, I must tell you how much I enjoy listening to your podcast. I haven't made it through all of them, but I will. That's great. I will say I hate to exercise, but I'm listening to your podcast while walking the treadmill. So it's a win-win. That's great. All my life, I seem to find my self-worth by pleasing people and getting their affirmation. I went to a therapist in my early 20s and learned that I was worth something. I really had no self-confidence up till that point. But I still have just been focused on everyone else. Now that I'm nearing retirement, I'm at a loss of what to do next. It's sort of strange. I'm an introvert and want to put myself out there. And once I'm there, I seem to have no fear. My husband will still be working for a while, so I need to find something to do. Although I can't even tell you what I like. I've never set goals because I'm usually involved with helping others with whatever they are striving for. Any suggestions for how to work through this? So, you know, I think this is an interesting phenomenon. Actually, there used to be an old book called Women Who Love Too Much. And in it, it talked about just the problem that this woman is having, that women tend to focus on other people's needs. It's not that men don't. Certainly they do. And I've worked with men who have. But it's more of a problem than you might realize. So here's my answer. My immediate thought was about those goals you mentioned. I can hear loud and clear that you've made others a priority. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. However, it doesn't sound as if there's been a balance. A lot of times we believe, especially women, that meeting our own needs is selfish. My podcasts on perfectly hidden depression talk about that. And I believe... Episodes 42 and 33 might be helpful to you. They deal with self-compassion and self-esteem. What I'd suggest is that you sit down and write out a goal or two for just today. Literally, something that you want to get done today that might take five minutes, ten minutes, but that is important to you. Then set out a goal for your week, 
then for your month, then for three months. Let's just see what you can do when you allow your mind to go there. Again, they don't have to be life-altering goals. They can be something simply that you've always wanted to do. Maybe you want to learn a language, take art lessons of some kind, or become more involved with volunteerism, although that might be more of the same problem. So what if you try something and don't like it? It really doesn't matter. I often say to people when they're trying to make a decision, it doesn't matter what direction you travel, just start moving. If it's a mistake, you can go on to something else, and you'll have the experience of beginning to discover who you are, what you like, or you don't. Plus, creating a sense of purpose is vital to approaching getting older well and staying curious about life. As far as you being introverted, but then going anyway and having a positive experience, I'm not sure you're letting that soak in. (laughs) Like Sally Fields said long ago in accepting an award, you like me, you really like me. Please absorb that your own fears are frequently irrational. Just because you're more quiet doesn't mean people won't enjoy you. They may misinterpret your quietness. I often talk to my more shy patients about that. It can come across as aloofness. But if you're making some effort to reach out and engage with people, they'll be fine with you being quieter. There's room for all types. I hope this works for you. Take good care. There's also a book that I forgot to mention to her called Quiet, which I'm told is a fairly intense book, but is one about being an introvert, which might be a helpful read. Thanks so much for your question. I'm so glad you joined me here on Self-Work today and hope that if you're trying to love someone with borderline personality disorder, that this has been helpful to you. Or if you have borderline, again, I have a lot of empathy for how difficult your life is as well. I'd love it if you'd email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. Sorry, the email is so long. I would never would have made it that long had I known how many times I was going to say it and write it. But I love to get your questions and comments, especially for subjects for the podcast that you'd like for me to talk about. In fact, the Borderline Personality Disorder podcast today is from a recent request. My website is drmargaretrutherford.com. I've been blogging there for five and a half years on a weekly basis, so there are a lot of things to read at this point at drmargaretrutherford.com. You can subscribe there and get a weekly newsletter that will include my blog posts and this podcast. Please leave me a rating or review. I've gotten several recently that are just so kind. And also, tell me what is helpful. One person said recently, you know, I take the podcast to my therapist and we talk about it. That is just marvelous, and I'm so honored by that. So thank you. Ratings and reviews are the only way I really have of advertising in a way. It draws people in because it makes my rank higher when they rank podcasts. So that's very helpful. It only takes a few seconds, and I'd appreciate it so very much. Again, thank you for listening today. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.